Pontifax listeners, and surprise! Today we are dropping this little tiny bonus episode that is special because we have a very awesome dramatic reading for you. This is to accompany our episode on Pope Liberius. We have the Theodoret Ecclesiastical Histories Chapter 13, in which we have the dialogue between Liberius, the Pope of Rome, and the Emperor Constantius. For this, we have had the wonderful voice work of David Sheely. So thank you, David, for lending us your voice in so many different ways to play so many different characters, because we are going to be dealing with four characters in this dialogue. It's It was really cool to have him come on. He is the voice of our priest that you may have heard in our episodes, as well as other things. So again, thank you, David. In this reading, you will hear the following characters. Constantius II is the grumpy Arian emperor who wants to force everyone to submit to his personal theological views. Liberius. The defiant pope refusing to condemn Athanasius or sign an Arian creed. Eusebius the eunuch. Constantius's server of the bedchamber who had tried to bribe Liberius to go along with Constantius's demands. Epictetus, the bishop. A bishop who has submitted to the Arian ways. We have judged it right, as you are a Christian and the bishop of our city, to send for you in order to admonish you to abjure all connection with the folly of the impious Athanasius. For when he was separated from the communion of the church by the synod, the whole world approved of the decision. Oh, Emperor, ecclesiastical sentences ought to be enacted with the strictest justice. Therefore, if it be pleasing to your piety, order the court to be assembled. And if it be seen that Athanasius deserves condemnation, then let sentence be passed upon him according to ecclesiastical forms. For it is not possible for us to condemn a man unheard and untried. The whole world has condemned his impiety, but he, as he has done from the first, laughs at the danger. Those who signed the condemnation were not eyewitnesses of anything that occurred, but were actuated by the desire of glory and by the fear of disgrace at your hands. What do you mean by glory and fear and disgrace? Those who love not the glory of God, but who attach greater value to your gifts, have condemned a man whom they have neither seen nor judged. This is very contrary to the principles of Christians. Athanasius was tried in person at the Council of Tyre, and all the bishops of the world at that synod condemned him. No judgment has ever been passed on him in his presence. Those who were assembled condemned him after he had retired. It was demonstrated at the Council of Nicaea that he held opinions entirely at variance with the Catholic faith. Of all those who sailed to Mariotis and who were sent for the purpose of drawing up memorials against the accused, five only delivered the sentence against him. Of the five who were thus sent, two are now dead, namely Theognis and Theodorus. The three others, Maris, Valens, and Osakius, are still living. Sentence was passed at Sardica against all those who were sent for this purpose to Mariotis. They presented a petition to the council, soliciting pardon for having drawn up at Mariotis memorials against Athanasius, consisting of false accusations and depositions of only one party. Their petition is still in our hands. Whose cause are we to espouse, O Emperor? 
With whom are we to agree and hold communion? With those who first condemned Athanasius, and then solicited pardon for having condemned him? Or with those who have condemned these latter? Oh, Emperor, it is not on behalf of the faith nor in defense of ecclesiastical judgments that Liberius is pleading, but merely in order that he may boast before the Roman senators of having conquered the emperor in argument. What portion do you constitute of the universe, that you alone, by yourself, take part with an impious man, and are destroying the peace of the empire and of the whole world? My standing alone does not make the truth a whit the weaker. According to the ancient story, there are found but three men resisting a decree. You make our emperor a Nebuchadnezzar! By no means, but you rashly condemn a man without any trial. What I desire is, in the first place, that a general confession of faith be signed, confirming that drawn up at the Council of Nicaea. And secondly, that all our brethren be recalled from exile and reinstated in their own bishoprics. If, when all of this has been carried into execution, it can be shown that the doctrines of all those who now fill the churches with trouble are conformable to the apostolic faith, then we will assemble at Alexandria to meet the accused, the accusers, and their defender. And, after having examined the case, we will pass judgment upon it. There will not be sufficient post-carriages to convey so many bishops. Ecclesiastical affairs can be transacted without post-carriages. The churches are able to provide means for the conveyance of their respective bishops to the seacoast. The sentence which has once been passed ought not to be revoked. The decision of the greater number of bishops ought to prevail. You alone retain friendship towards that impious man. Oh, Emperor, it is a thing hitherto unheard of that a judge should accuse the absent of impiety as if he were his personal enemy. All, without exception, have been injured by him, but none so deeply as I have been. Not content with the death of my eldest brother, he never ceased to excite Constance, of blessed memory, to enmity against me. But I, with much moderation, put up alike with the vehemence of both the instigator and his victim. Not one of the victories which I have gained, not even excepting those of a Magnentius and Silvanus, equals the ejection of this vile man from the government of the church. Do not vindicate your hatred and revenge, O Emperor, by the instrumentality of bishops, for their hands ought only to be raised for purposes of blessing and of sanctification. If it be constant with your will, command the bishops to return to their own residences. And if it appear that they are of one mind with him who today maintains the true doctrines of the confession of faith signed at Nicaea, then let them come together and see to the peace of the world, in order that an innocent man may not serve as a mark for reproach. One question only requires to be made. I wish you to enter into communion with the churches, and to send you back to Rome. Consent, therefore, to peace, and sign your assent, and then you shall return to Rome. I have already taken leave of the brethren who are in that city. The decrees of the church are of greater importance than a residence in Rome. You have three days to consider whether you will sign the document and return to Rome. If not, you must choose the place of your banishment. Neither three days nor three months can change my sentiments. Send me wherever you please. After the lapse of two days, the emperor sent for Liberius, and finding his opinions unchanged, he commanded him to be banished to Baroea, a city in Thrace. Upon the departure of Liberius, the emperor sent him five hundred pieces of gold to defray his expenses. 
Liberius said to the messenger who brought them, Go and give them back to the emperor. He has need of them to pay his troops. The empress also sent him a sum of the same amount. He said, Take it to the emperor, for he may want it to pay his troops. But if not, let it be given to Oxentius and Epicetus, for they stand in need of it. Eusebius the eunuch brought him other sums of money. He thus addressed him, You have turned all the churches of the world into a desert, and you do bring alms to me as to a criminal? Be gone, and become first a Christian. He was sent into exile three days afterwards, without having accepted anything that was offered him. So that was our dramatic reading. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let us know. If you want to hear more of David, we're hoping to bring that around in the future. We had a lot of fun with this, and uh, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Oh.